Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Bogdan Negru. He's the COO and co-founder at LiftUp. Bogdan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Kelsey, and I appreciate the invitation. Looking forward to uh, an interesting conversation here. Yeah, me too. Excited to have you. So, Bogdan, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, absolutely. I've been uh, fascinated and really involved with technology in different roles for more than, than 20 years, formal and informal ones with enterprises and small businesses alike. But I was a kid, and my first interaction with a computer back in France was with a Macintosh, where I had to learn how to read and write using the computer. So I was fascinated by its potential to help me and in my future. Uh, that really opened up the door for a lot of things uh, as they came, uh, you know, in my career. Uh, today, I'm the the CEO and, as you mentioned, the co-founder of LiftUp, uh, and we're we're I'm focusing personally on the systems and the the procedures, the uh, processes that help the company scale up. Uh, and currently, LiftUp is expanding its existing footprint in the U.S., Europe, and the Middle East. And I'm on the board of several for-profit and non-profit organizations alike. Mm -hmm. Really fascinating. So as co-founder, tell me a little bit more about LiftUp. Absolutely. So LiftUp uh, in general is uh, what is seen by many an IT services consulting company. Uh, and there's three, essentially three uh, areas of service that we cover. The first one is what we call product development as a service, where we guide a client from ideation all the way to delivering that product to the market, if that's their purpose, or even using it just internally for themselves. Mm -hmm. The second one is what we call team augmentation, which essentially means that we have some of our colleagues in between projects or dedicated experts that we borrow to uh, our clients uh, to make them part of their team for a specific period uh, to fill specific gaps of expertise or knowledge or just increasing their teams for a given time. And the third one, which is a combination of the first two, but really is what we call software professional services. And that really has to do with uh, needs that are not usually very clear. It's either the client is changing their business model or they're going through a digital transformation process and they're trying to bring experts from the outside to help them uh, translate basically their business needs and changes into the impact and the consequences of using specific technologies and, and understanding how they can best make use of what's available on the market. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So of those three, you know, services, what would you say the biggest challenge for your customers before they start working with LiftUp is? Well, absolutely. I think the, the biggest challenge for, for our, our clients is by far um, going into understanding how to use technology properly for them. Mm -hmm. um, Either, for instance, if, if they're looking to build a product, they have a few options, right? They either develop a team of their own or they will start working with someone else from the outside or they will complement their existing team. So figuring that out is quite a challenge in itself and has different consequences and 
and implications for uh, their strategy, for how they split the resources, budgets, and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, their main challenge is to make sure that they use all the resources wisely and not, you know, just uh, make decisions on a whim just because it's it's cool to to use uh, to to have your own team, but rather bring in expertise, for instance. Yeah, that's fascinating. So kind of on the topic of your clients, are there different trends that you see, you know, your clients in different industries and different niches that, you know, you that um, interact with and engage with LiftUp? I would say the 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 trends that we've seen recently, and I'll talk a little bit about COVID here and how this year and the next few years are, are very different from the previous couple of years. So what you've seen happening in the years of COVID has been essentially a, a decision-making that was based on reaction. There was a lot of a rapid changes in the market co- caused by COVID mm-hmm. uh, for both brick and mortars as well as online businesses. And there was a, a series of decision-making uh, processes that were due, like, we have to solve this now. So what we're seeing change uh, in the next couple of years, including 2023, is that businesses are going to start thinking proactively. Uh, and all the lessons that they took from COVID, they'll start applying them uh, and and using them to create longer term strategies to uh, diminish the impact of similar issues they faced during COVID. So that, that's one of the biggest trends. The, the other one that I can see is you're looking at chat GPT and not just chat GPT itself, but really low code, no code type of technologies. And I know there's a lot of debate about these technologies and, and why uh, people are concerned. Is, is the, a lot of them have valid concerns, I'll, I'll say that. However, how I see ChatGPT and low-code, no-code technologies, these are catalysts for professionals and businesses uh, alike. And, and instead of replacing people, that's one of the main concerns. Am I going to be replaced by a robot, right? Uh, what they're, they need to be concerned about and focused on is the opportunity to optimize the role that they, that, that they have. It empowers them. Uh, non-tech people especially, just think about this. In a, in a company where you have non-tech and, th- and tech people alike, you can empower non-tech people to use low-code, no-code and mm-hmm. solve some of the immediate needs, some of the, uh, the needs that are for repetitive tasks without having to put it on the shoulders of the IT team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I do think that, you know, researchers, especially with ChatGPT, if you're thinking about that, mm-hmm. you know, within three to 10 years, they estimate that it could start write, uh, start writing uh, essentially higher level code. Right now, it's able to write some low-level code. But mm-hmm. higher, higher level code, um, you know, that's something that they, they see for the future. And even then, they're not, you know, all in agreement because there's so many factors that contribute to, to that challenge uh, per se. And on the same, you know, by the same token, it would be a mistake to ignore chat GPT completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, really, we just need to embrace it mm-hmm. and figure out rapidly how can we use it, play with it. Uh, do prototypes and pilots with it and understand where can it save us some time so that all of our developers can work on the higher complexity, higher code level uh, type of of, uh, uh, really programming and and work. Yeah. Do you think it's kind of the uh, adaptability and acceptance of changing technology that has made LiftUp, you know, successful in scaling? 
Well, absolutely. And, and you're asking about this, then, then you're opening up the door for me to tell you about uh, what our formula is right on the front page of our, uh, you know, of our website. And, and it's, it's, it goes like this, and I, I'm going to get to the, the flexibility part as well. It's discovery plus nimbleness plus journey equals our client's vision lifted up. And, and we do start with discovery. Uh, I think for, for us as a business, we took the decision early on just to focus on understanding really well why the software was being built and desired, needed uh, in, in the client's perspective. Mm -hmm. Because understanding that, not just for the immediate needs, but also for the long run, how it plugs into their long-term strategy and their vision mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. crucial. So we start by doing that really well. And we, you know, we take that as a privilege that we have the opportunity to do that with our clients. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that we have in, in that formula, the second piece is, is nimbleness or, or uh, adaptability or flexibility, mm -hmm. because we understand that the times that we live in right now, you, you can plan as best as perhaps about 18 months. And everybody agrees that past 18 months, any detailed plan is just way out there. And, you know, the, the probability that it happens is, is very low. And there's a lot of factors that you cannot account for that early on. Uh, so we make sure that during the development process and, and everything we do with our clients, that we have that nimbleness to implement those changes, to be flexible, mm -hmm. to make sure that the final product, we don't have to wait for the, the final product to be there in order to start changing stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. So the whole process is geared towards accepting those changes. And finally, the journey, right? Whenever we meet a new client, well, we don't want to be the saviors, right? I, I think there's this, this uh, uh, savior symptom across the IT industry. We're going to save the world and save everybody's business. But I, I think that's untrue. We're talking about complex businesses, our clients, that is that have phenomenal visions. They figured out in their own industries how to solve the needs of their clients. Mm -hmm. So essentially when we get in touch with them, our company, as well as the others, they're on a moving train, some of them rocket ships, mm -hmm. right? And so we are in a position where we have to jump aboard and play by their terms and understand how we can help them while the train is moving uh, mm -hmm. without creating useless disruption and saying, oh, you gotta do it this way or this way, but actually adapt and, and pursue their journey, not ours. Uh, yes. So I think those three things really make the different, uh, the differentiator factor for, for lift up as a, as a company. But the other one, and, and that's the, the other piece that I think is critical is people. And I know it's a cliche for a lot of companies, but whether I, we talk about a client or a, a partner, a vendor, or our own team, mm -hmm. you need to value the person before the commercial relationship. And that whole perception and different perception uh, towards doing business with them changes this, the whole relationship, really, mm -hmm. from just transactional to something where we actually care for them, try to understand, put ourselves in their shoes and feel with them as they think about, how do I make this vision happen? How do I make sense of my budget? And I don't waste the money on building a software that might not be valuable or usable in a year's time from now. Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't have to have that uh, you know, we don't want to have to have that that conversation with them 12 or 18 months down the line where, you know, they're saying, hey, guys, we're we're needing to rewrite the whole thing because we mm -hmm. haven't had this discussion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Really interesting. So kind of you mentioned before talking a little bit about the um, 
the uh, equation that you use to be able to create success uh, and lift up companies. I love that. Um, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, what the onboarding process looks like. Is there an assessment? Kind of walk me through that. Yeah, so the onboarding process uh, is split in, in two, really, because you've got two different situations where clients usually get to, to talk to us. The one is for organizations looking to develop a product. They understood they, they're either rethinking or have already rethought their whole business model to adjust to, to market changes. Mm -hmm. And so they're thinking, okay, how do I build a product either for them internally, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're trying to improve their own efficiency. And so the product is for them mm -hmm. or for their clients or both in some situations. So that's one scenario. And in that case, we do start by essentially a discovery process where we spend between four to 12 weeks, depending on even more, uh, depending on the complexity of the product that they're trying to, to develop mm -hmm. and understand exactly what it needs to, to happen in the meantime. So looking at the business model, the business requirements, how it needs uh, to fit the requirements and the use cases that they will have, the users will have them or the, their clients and then translating that into technical requirements, then going to, into the workflow, making sure that the workflow is really clear, having some wireframes that give us an understanding of how the screens look like and where clients will be looking at uh, in, in, into yeah. the application. And finally, based on those, we uh, actually choose the technology that will be used to make all of that happen. So the deciding the technology stack is not among the first steps, but actually somewhere towards the end in terms of the technical part of the discovery. Mm -hmm. And finally, once we have that figured out, we start creating a timeline and a roadmap of exactly how the development will take place mm -hmm. uh, with all the stages of the software development lifecycle. Mm -hmm. um, and as part of that, we, we close the, the, uh, uh, discovery process with creating a budget, making sure that they understand what will it take to do that. And I, I know there's a lot of debate against uh, should should we you know create a software that that you know should we push as much budget as we can? And you know there's a lot of companies that have no issues pay, paying a lot of money. However, as IT companies, that makes us even more responsible. We shouldn't be taking advantage of the fact that they're not aware of all the technical implications uh, to, to just create a budget that, you know, they'll say yes because they don't know any better. We're responsible to educate them. And part of uh, creating that budget is to understand, okay, what needs to happen at a minimum level? Sometimes they won't have the concept of a minimum viable product. So we yeah. need to, to help them understand, to, to help them uh, uh, understand that the implications of coming up with an MVP and then building further versions that will better fit with their budgets, getting to revenue first, and then, you know, having additional pieces of budget to come after that. And I think it's, it's a very important piece of, of the onboarding process. And the, the other one uh, is is for team augmentation and where we're talking about experts, but the onboarding there is fairly simple, uh, but yet uh, important as well. It's not just an exchange of resources versus money, but mm -hmm. really understanding what will make that relationship and the chemistry between their team and the 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 team that we borrow to them for a while work. 
Uh, mm -hmm. What is it that is going to make that an efficient one plus one type uh, of relationship equals three, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to make that happen. And so we discuss with them about their values and mm -hmm. about what made people successful on their team in the past, understanding exactly who it is that doesn't fit their team. And all of those conversations need to go on our end as we select the folks that will be part and become part of their team for uh, a specific time. So those are the two onboarding processes that we talk about for the, the, the software professional services. That's going to be extremely custom, but we'll integrate pieces of what you've heard from both of these scenarios into that as well. But usually, you know, the, the uh, variation of their needs in, in terms of software professional services is so great that yeah. we, we have to, to, to make it from scratch almost. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's this process that really helps to build trust too within the relationship of your clients and, and lift up? I would say yes. Uh, and the reason why I would say yes is that our whole reputation and, you know, as a business along the years, we've grown 90% of our business has grown solely on our reputation, word of mouth, wow. recommendations, referrals. And we're actually gearing up this year for expansion and growth and, and more rapid acceleration. But all of it has been based on trust. Wow. Once a, a company, a software company loses the trust of their clients, they don't just lose that client. They lose all the other potential clients they could reach and help really at that point in time. So for us, that trust relationship is what matters. And we would rather say, we don't think this is a great idea if they want to insist on something, not take on the project, rather than get to a point where they, where they finally realize, oh, we should have done this differently, mm -hmm. but then having contributed to, to creating a problem for them uh, in the long run. So we're, we're very, very careful about how we build trust with our clients. Yeah, really interesting. So, Bogdan, before we started, you know, talking about chat GBT and kind of the anxiety that people have that robots are going to take their job, a very common misconception, I think, right now. What are some other misconceptions kind of in the industry that you tend to see? Well, we're looking at uh, a complex, uh, at a complex service as a whole. It's not your regular or average, you know, you go to uh, the grocery store and you buy certain, you know, uh, grocery groceries there. Mm -hmm. uh, however, a lot of companies, services, IT services companies treat it as such. Yeah. And that's a problem because it's a, not an exchange of commodity. Uh, once you lose track of why you're building the software in the first place, and if you don't have the, the discipline and, and the commitment to find that out before you start building the software per se, then you're going to miss the whole point. And sooner or later, it's going to catch up to you as a business. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that the biggest misconception is that IT services is just an exchange between money and, and technical resources. It's not. It's about fulfilling, as I said earlier with our formula, the vision of the customer and how the software meets those, those immediate needs and also the longer term vision of the client. If we just stick to the immediate ones, we, we fail to take the right technology decisions today or even business des decisions relating to the software that would allow the expansion and addition of modules and features later on to match with the vision. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if we miss that, we basically create a software that looks, but is not actually what the client needs. Mm -hmm. I hope that that helps. 
Mm -hmm. No, I think that's fantastic. And I think you give a lot of really great insight on that, um, because I think that is a very common misconception. I think you're spot on with that. So, you know, as we start to kind of wrap up this podcast a little bit, where can people go to find more information on Lift Up? Well, I appreciate the question. And, and really just two uh, big sources. The first one is our website, www.liftupsolutions.com. And the other one is our LinkedIn company page. So we're very mm -hmm. active. We usually create content that our clients find useful. And I'm not just talking about, oh, you know, we're selling this service, but rather we talk about technology. We talk about how uh, decision makers can think about making those those smart decision and wise mm -hmm. decisions regarding accessing software, access, accessing um, the, the, the IT services that they need mm -hmm. in a way that they understand the process and they can put it in an equation that makes sense. It's not just, you know, you know mm -hmm. working with a vendor that, that uh, can't wait to, to take your money. No, instead, we're talking about how we fit technology into their vision and, and making sense of it. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. So Bogdan, like I said, as we wrap up this conversation, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with, you know, either either about Lift Up, about, you know, IT, about software development, anything like that? Well, absolutely. And and uh, I think, by the way, I appreciate the conversation, the questions. Uh, we're, we're looking at, again, 2023 is going to be very interesting. Um, and on the one hand, we've seen a lot of layoffs going on in the tech industry. Some estimate somewhere between 200 and 250,000 uh, tech workers have been laid off. It's a sad it's sad situation for all these people. And I'm sure a lot of good people were let go, unfortunately. Uh, but the whole circumstance came from a COVID period where a lot of the hiring decisions were made upon just the need. And like, we need you yesterday. So come here, we'll give you the title, we'll give you the money. I think it's the time for us as IT providers and IT professionals in general to be more responsible as to how we match what we create as value for those we've worked with and also how we're being paid. Because having that, that equation work on both ends is the only reliable way to build valid IT solutions. Anything less than that is just going to fall apart in the next mm -hmm. few years. And yeah. we, we're seeing the fallout of, of that specific issue today as we, we look at all of those things. Mm -hmm. The other one is, I know, and, and if you look at all the, the outlets out there like McKinsey and, and, and Gartner and all of that, they all have received intel that mm -hmm. budgets are there. Our clients tell us that budgets are there, but yeah. the, the scrutiny that is taken to spend that budget is a lot, a lot deeper and higher. And, and you're looking at, at a more stringent way of choosing vendors. And I wanna encourage those that are considering to, to buy uh, IT services that they use a very stringent process and they carefully assess not just budgets, not just the technology, but also the approach of delivering those technology solutions to them. I think that's fantastic. Well, Bogdan, this has been a really fantastic, really insightful conversation, you know, about the changes you've seen since COVID in the industry, a lot of common misconceptions, you know, with ChatGBT, but also to, you know, your take on, you know, the, the trends in the industry. So this has been, like I said, a very insightful conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on Business Ninjas today. Thank you a lot, Kelsey, and, and uh, good luck to everybody going into IT today. Hey. 
Are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io, W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E.io, and schedule a time to meet with us, and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.